Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, projections. And, and, and by the way, so that's how it all starts. So in my defense, which is what I'm trying to bring out is, remember that to be convicted criminally, you have to have the intent to do wrong. Uh, it mens rea is the, is the legal concept. And, and I was trying to bring out, look, here's what I knew, here's when I knew it, here's what I believed, here's how the numbers were set up, okay? And not everyone in the firm knew this stuff. My, I knew it, some people who have the classified coverage knew it, but that factors into my thinking of what's a reasonable public guidance. Um, I wasn't allowed to bring any of that into the trial. So I refused to take the stand in my defense because, you know, if I can't defend myself, I can't defend myself. I wasn't going to be part of the star chamber operation. Um, and, um, and you know, history proved that they could, uh, they could convict anybody they want to. Well, once it gets to that stage, Joe, you know, you're, you're yeah. at the judge's mercy on sentencing day, you know, because these guys can, they can, and they get whatever they want at that stage. And it's, it's a very humbling experience. Well, yeah, I, I can't prove it, but I believe the intelligence agencies. Uh, essentially monitor everything that these judges do and have shit on every judge, which is why the judges never deny a FISA warrant. Uh, you saw this big controversy that's broken out now over the, the Trump issue with the FISA warrants. Uh, I, I personally believe the, uh, you know, well, let me say, I personally believe there's an administrative state that doesn't give two shits about the law or about who's elected. You know, they do what they think they want to do. There is a deep state. Uh, look, my federal judge in the CEPA courts were, were ruling in our favor on a lot of important evidentiary issues. And then in one session, 
which is, again, this is all classified. And by the way, some of these classified things have been let out to the press in a redacted form because of the challenge by the Denver Post. Um, uh, we had a guy show up. This is federal court uh, in Colorado, am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Federal court in Colorado, the, guy, the, the, the judge was a guy named uh, Nottingham, Edward Nottingham III. He was briefed uh, and allowed to run the CEPA court. Nottingham, in one session, you know, usually these are all private sessions or, or, or say in camera, classified sessions. The public's not have access to it. The transcripts are not public. The defense lawyers are in there, plus the prosecutors, you know, I'm in there. And uh, all of a sudden, we get these guys who come out of DOJ to want to talk to the judge. And one of the guys' names is a guy named Simkins, S-I-M-K-I-N-S. And his title was the Assistant Attorney General for Counterterrorism. Okay? Now, what the hell, if this is an insider trading case and there's no classified information that's relevant, why does the Assistant Attorney General for Counterterrorism, a guy named Simpkins, and in the non-redacted transcript, his name shows up, by the way, uh, in the redacted transcript, his name shows up, it's redacted. He shows up, and then he, he, they ask for, he and the DOJ ask for something that is not allowed in criminal trials, but again, it's allowed in super court. They ask for a private, what's called an in-camera, ex parte communication with the judge. That is never allowed in criminal trials. One side cannot talk to the judge without the other side knowing it. Okay, well, you're saying they asked for that, but your counsel wasn't allowed in? We get asked to leave the room. What the hell is it? We get asked to leave the secret courtroom and somebody from DOJ, counterterrorism, uh, the chief uh, assistant attorney general, counterterrorism, Ben Simpkins, has a private conversation with this judge. And then from that point on, the judge overrules, well, I wouldn't say overrules, he, he, he goes back on some of the previous decisions that were in our favor and reverses them so that none of, nothing's evidentiary. Now, now, here's what's really interesting. Real quick, okay. did, did your lawyer object to that and say, "What are you? What's going on?" Of course we did. Yeah, of course we. But guess what? Uh, it's all classified. Nobody gets to see it, and you have no legal right. Okay, because you're in a classified court. Well, just real quick, um, they they lock everything down in classified court, and then they say, "Wow, well, yeah, you work for the government, and this is national security, so you can't even use this evidence in your criminal trial." Correct. Matter of fact. One of the reasons my lawyers didn't want to put me on the stand was they knew that uh, if I was on the stand, you know, I always, the argument that you cannot ring the bell. You know, I'll say what I want to say in front of a jury. But then, of course, what would have happened is I could have been acquitted there and they would have filed a superseding indictment saying I violated the Espionage Act. Like they did with yeah, those and guys. You're better off police. taking your lumps uh, with whatever yeah, they're was, charging you with. It's opposed yeah, to espionage. So my, lawyers, yeah, so my lawyers refused to put me on the stand. <laughs> and, uh, you know, well, that was smart, way, though. I mean, you might not have recognized yeah, it no, at the time, but, I mean, it's like they got well, you yeah, one way or the other. But if they come after you for espionage, it's it's 25-plus years. But, yeah, so, so basically I got convicted for not committing a crime, and the lawyers prevented me from committing a crime, right? So that's what really happened there. Well, you so, went away for how yeah. long? how long were you in prison for? Uh, I was sent to 72 months on appeal. It got reduced to 70 months. 
But you serve. You didn't have to serve the whole seventy, did you? Well, in, in the federal system, you get fourteen fourteen point six percent of your time reduced for good time. Right, right, right. So I served about five years in total. Jesus, you're, you're in Pennsylvania now, where I'm at. I think. I, I did it. I, I spent time in uh, Schuylkill, which right. is a. Of course, I was the low security risk, so I was in prison camp, except for eight weeks, seven weeks when I had to go back to court in Denver where the marshals uh, sent me to four, I think five actually uh, maximum security prisons where I stayed in regular cell block. I was in solitary for my own protection, quote unquote, in Oklahoma City. I had four flights on Con Air for a 15-minute court appearance where I waived my right to appear uh, and had to have my lawyers represent me, but the judge said, in order for you to waive your right to appear, you have to appear. That's how absurd it yeah, was. So what, what you're telling me, is I'm reading between the lines here, is that even when you were locked up, they were still harassing you. Oh, yeah. Well, let me tell you. I'm going to give you two terms that people don't know about. One term is if you're a federal inmate, some of us are designated as SIM, C-I-M, inmate. And that means centralized inmate management. That means you are a high-profile conviction. And there are people in Washington who are monitoring your stay. Monitoring is a polite word. The second thing I would tell you is this is a word that the inmates use. It's called diesel therapy. Diesel therapy. Diesel therapy is when they want to give you the treatment, as they did me, where instead of giving me a furlough to travel to court, which, which I offered to pay U.S. Marshals, you know, the, the course is necessary, a warden can do that. Uh, they can let you go to court. You could be escorted by U.S. Marshals, which would have taken one day to get to Denver, 15 minutes in court, and one day back. Instead, they refused that, and I had to travel with the U.S. Marshals Service to do, to do 15 minutes in Florida. I'm sorry, to do 15 minutes in Denver. I traveled for seven weeks. I was locked in solitary. I was in four other maximum security penitentiaries. Um, uh, and, has, and travel. Has any like reporter ever asked you about this stuff or you, this, you can't kind yeah, of harboring this up. You know, it's really interesting. Um, I, I, I've got a book coming out which details all of this. Um, nice. And, and, and my prison experience. And, uh, you know, I, I like to say I'm one of the, you know, remember, this all happened because of something in 2001, prior to 9-11. So I'm one of the first victims of the deep state as it started to be uncovered, you know, 13, 14, 15 years later by the Trump administration. What's the name of the um, book you got coming out, Joe? The name of the book is going to be called Freedom Fall, F-A-L-L, Freedom Fall. The subtitle will be The, the Price of Conscience in a world of universal surveillance. Yeah, that's that's something that I personally want to pick up and read because I've had some experience. You know, you, you grew up where in New York? Where what part of New York? All five boroughs of New York City. I was <laughs> I was born in Brooklyn. You're Italian guy, right? Not Nacho, that's okay. Italian. Yeah, born in Brooklyn, raised in Staten Island prior to the Garzano Bridge going up. Right. Went to high school at high school in Manhattan, went to Stuyvesant. Went to engineering school at NYU when it was up in the Bronx. 
through a, a mistake of, with some friends. I lived in Queens a while, then moved back to Manhattan. <laughs> so I've lived in all, all five boroughs. I tell people my accent is a totally cosmopolitan accent. It has all five boroughs of New York. Well, you, did your grandparents come over or they were over or your parents came over? How, how, how did it go? Or go, your your lineage goes further yeah, back? Well, uh, yeah, no. Four, uh, three out of four of my grandparents came to America between 1885 and 1897, I believe. My one grandparent, on my mother's side, her mother was born in 1898 here, but her parents had come over uh, earlier. Are you Italian uh, on both sides? 100%. All right, yeah, so, 100%. so what, the reason I'm asking this, right, is because, yeah. I don't know, it's like an old school vibe, I think, with dudes that... Uh, that grew up in the neighborhood, so to speak, and you know, becoming a rat isn't like something that is looked upon very well. So, I'm like, for me personally, I I kind of carry that around. Like, I'm not a rat, and I think right. it's like, I think it's something that's like, um, branded. Well, it's it's like from your family, you know. You don't rat. You well, do what's yeah, right. Well, no, but on the second point is the correct one. There was never a situation for me to be a rat because for me to quote, for me to tell what happened, I would have had to break a law. I got in trouble for refusing to break a law. Yeah, but I'm not talking about that, Joe. I don't want to cut you up, but the fact that they're asking for you to basically rubber stamp uh, or bypass FISA laws as the director right. of a CEO of a major telecom it's like yo that's not the way things work and then when you stand up and you try to do the right thing like maybe i didn't frame it right saying rat but i think it's it all goes together you try to do the right thing you know and, well, that's the right yeah yeah we were brought up to do the right thing and you know it was just in, in, ingrained in me to do the right thing i never imagined that doing the right thing and asking for right legal uh documentation to do something like this would, would result in anything like what happened. And, um, you know, it was a very unpleasant part of my life. Uh, I paid my dues because I had no choice. And, uh, you know, I've, got, I've moved on from that, so to speak. When you sat down and you, it, have you finished the book? Is it done? No, the book is done. My literary agent has it. He's, he's marketing it right now. It, I, it, I think, look, personally, I'm biased because I wrote it, and then I got a professional editor to help me write it even better. It's a very entertaining book. You know, it talks about the advice I got was let's make all the points you want to make about surveillance, the overcriminalization of America, uh, the uh, abuses by the Department of Justice in, in the uh, intelligence agency. Let's not, let's not write a book that just says that. Let's tell you a story. Okay, and as we tell the story, these points will come out. Now, there's a summary chapter where, having gone through this, I make a set of recommendations. You know, and if it's and to be perfectly honest with you, if, if my literary agent doesn't have a contract for me in the next month, I'm going to go self-publish it just to get it out there. Yeah, I mean, I self-published my book um, uh, last year, and the thing has done very well. And I got tired of waiting. Yeah. Waiting for yeah, um, 
You go through Amazon, or who did you use to sell yeah. publishing? Yeah, we well, we went through Amazon, and I had these people give me a song and dance. This is going to be great. This is going to be great. But it's like an anti-FBI slant because I yeah. left journalism when I was up in Jersey. I left journalism, and uh, I went into Intel, and I started asking too many questions about certain things, and the next thing you know, they, they're coming and kicking my door and stuff and my family and pointing guns at my kids and stuff. So I said, and then I got charged with some some bullshit charge. And I said, after it was all over, when I was on probation, you know, my wife was looking at me like, I mean, God love her. You know, she stood by my side, but she's kind of like, are you going to let them get away with this? And I'm like, no, fuck yeah. them. I'm not going to let them get away. I'm going to go back into journalism and, and I'm going to become a big pain in the ass to them. So that's kind of like my story. But I mean, so I probably can um, empathize with you more than anybody else because I've been through the system too. Not as bad as you. I mean, they sent you through the ringer, but... I was a judge's decision. You, know, you and I could have been cellmates for all I know. What the hell do I know? I mean, it, it's all up to the yeah. judge when it gets to that point. It's like, it's a, it's a roll of the dice. Well, you know, it's really interesting. My, the judge who, who handled my case, well, let me tell you a couple of interesting facts, too. Um, first of all, I, I was charged with a novel concept of insider trading. Usually insider trading is you have knowledge of something that happened. You don't report it. You do your trading. Then the news comes out and your stock price falls, right? What they were accusing me of, and I'm the only case in America where this has been the charge, that I, my projections about the future 18 months in advance were false. Now, my conviction gets overturned by the appellate court in the 10th Circuit. Okay? You know, you always go before a three-judge panel. Right. It gets, over, it gets overturned on a two-to-one vote. The Department of Justice comes in and they ask for what's called an en banc review. That means they want the full 12 judges to review the decision of the three judges, right? Yeah, they do that as kind of like, oh, okay, you won this round, but now we're going to bring in all the other rig, rig guys and sell you well, down the say, river. Let me tell you how rigged it is. Okay? Three judges recused themselves, including Gorsuch, who's now on the Supreme Court. And my conviction gets reinstated on a five to four vote. We then appeal to the Supreme Court, which is an extraordinary long shot, right? When the Supreme Court is considering which cases to take, they usually vote up or down at one session. My my case, uh, you know, the writ of it's called the writ of certiori, gets to the Supreme Court, and they look at it in early June. They don't decide to accept it. And they don't decide to reject it. Very unusual. They, they, they inform us and the DOJ that they're taking my case and they're going to take it outside of their process. And over the summer, they're going to read the entire trial transcript and decide if they're going to handle it. Come that September, they decide not to handle it. Now, here's what I believe. That's what they call slow walking something on behalf of the Justice Department. Yeah, well, I'm going to give you one more on behalf of the intelligence agency. My judge in my criminal trial, right after I get convicted, gets caught up in a prostitution scandal in Denver. And he gets caught by the FBI, okay, who are interviewing, you know, they do the interviewing for the 10th Circuit or any circuit if you've got a, a problem with a the judge. They, they interview 
some of these prostitutes who tell the FBI that the judge coached them on how to answer questions. That's called obstruction of justice and witness tampering, right? Absolutely. The judge, the judge does not get charged by the U.S. attorney out there, the same one who charged me, okay, and is allowed to resign from the federal bench, okay, and doesn't lose his law license by the Colorado Bar Association. And he gets to keep his pension, too. No, no, he lost his pension. Okay, but he should have been locked up. He should have been locked up. Now, interestingly, what, what now, if I, if I close the loop, what, let me tell you what I think happened when that guy from counterterrorism, Timkins, talked to the judge, which got him to reverse everything. Because you can't prove any of this because it's all classified and they don't, they don't even record it. If you remember what Elliot Spitzer Right, got just, there, real, just real quick, the, when you go into that court and, well, especially if, he, if he's going into the chambers in some kind of rigged in-camera situa- situation, there's no st- stenographer. You don't know what the hell was said. Exactly. Here's what I think was said. I think the intelligence agencies, who I know monitor the court, okay, and who I think influenced the 10th Circuit on that 5-4 to vote, okay, I think they said to the judge, these are my language, not theirs, Hey, Judge, let me tell you what we know about you, okay? Um, we want this guy convicted. We want none of this shit into the, into the trial record. And then after it all happened, it broke anyhow, and then they protected him from getting disbarred and uh, sent to prison. Yeah, you're talking about something I've been talking about for a while. I, I call it a protection racket. This is a protection racket. They got the stuff on the guy, and when they want yep. when, when to turn the screws on him, you're the guy left holding the bag. Okay, that's the, see, what my book talks about is the danger of what this means to the average citizen in America now. My case being an illustrative. Look, yeah, but real quick, got, real quick, you were a CEO of a major telecommunications company, right? And you, you uh, had right. some, at least some wherewithal to defend yourself, some money, but the, right. the regular guy it's doesn't okay. have that kind of money. That's why 98% of federal, convict, of federal indictments by the DOJ end up in a plea bargain. Only 2% go to trial. Of the 2% that go to trial, DOJ wins 98% of those. When they lose that, as they did in mine at trial level on appeal, less than 1% of the time do they ever ask for an en banc review. They did in my case. Okay. Now, the final fact is, in 2007, after I had been convicted, Bush, the President Bush tried to get uh, a renewal of the... Uh, Patriot Act, all right? And this trial transcript, according to my, uh, on, on my trial, was finally reduced, reduced, re- released in a redacted transcript form, okay? The, ne- the day after it was re- re- released, the Rocky Mountain News had a front-page story that basically says, I'm paraphrasing, hey, Nascio was correct that there was classified information that was relevant to this trial. The day after that, that was a, what, Thursday, on a Friday, Washington Post had a front page story that said Bush administration has been lying. They were spying on America's pride in 9-11. Bush, the Patriot Act gets held up, and then Bush requires that the, the retroactive immunity be granted to all telecom companies, okay, back to 9-11. Okay, first time in American history. It's called ex post facto. It never happened. He does it. Guess who's excluded from that? You. Me. Yeah, because... Congress passes <laughs> it. Congress passes it. So let me tell you something. Um, it's 
there's a deep state. They're running it. You get on their fast side, you're going to get screwed one way or another. I'm still going to put the book out. Uh, but that's why I've been pretty much low profile for the last 10 years. No, I mean, I wanted to look you up. I said, I got to find this guy. He's like, you're tucked away. I'm not going to say where, but, and I was, I said, well, you know, he's been through the, uh, a couple of folks here said, maybe, you know, you shouldn't look. I said, now this guy's been through the ringer. I'll find him. I'll talk to him. I'll, I'll get him to talk Actually, because, you. you know, you got my wife's cell phone. You didn't even get mine. I well, I mean, we you. have our, we have our ways. I don't mean to, to tell me the thing that's interesting. It's my wife has always used her maiden name. And you know, doesn't go by my last name. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, Joe. When I come looking for you, I mean, you know, I used to work for these guys, so um, I know all the tricks. I taught these guys some tricks too. But I mean, here, here's the thing, right? Uh, and I appreciate you talking to me. I think your story is spot on. It's like, I, I can see this. I read through the lines of these court cases and stuff, and some of these reporters are dopes. And I say to myself, there's something missing here, like. This guy was muscled, and then they come up with this insider trading scheme and things like that. But going back to, like, you're from New York, and I'm just curious how your your feeling of what this country is has changed. Oh, oh well, I like to joke that the largest organized crime family in America is the one justice. Uh, I have no respect, no respect, for our system of government and laws. I think the elite, whether it's the rich political elite or whether it's the governmental elite, you know, those those GS-12s and 30, whatever the highest members are that are always there irrespective of the president and the politicians, the swamp, so to speak, I think it's totally corrupt. All right, look, I'm, I'm being extreme. I say totally corrupt. Everybody is corrupt. But what they teach us about how great our system is versus how it really works, that's that's propaganda for the masses. And um, I think it has to get reformed. I think there's a lot of things to do to reform it. It will never get reformed because people in power don't like to give up power. And, and here's the point I was trying to make earlier, which I just belabored for a minute. What you have now that you didn't have 30 years ago, 35 years ago when we were growing up, is you have technology now that can allow them to surveil everybody in this country all the time. Okay? Number one. Number two, when this republic was formed, there were 12 federal crimes. Piracy, uh, sedition, there's only 12. You've got now, on the federal side, 4,800 crimes that'll put you in, in prison. And you've got 200,000 um, administrative uh, rules that are, devolved, that are given to the executive branch, the agencies, that can result in, in jail time. That's at the federal side. And that only represents 12% or 20% of the total amount of people who go away. So think about this. you got universal surveillance. You have this over-criminalization of America where everybody's breaking the law every day. And the government can get information on anybody. Okay, And when they decide you're a problem, you're cooked. That, to me, would make George Orwell turn over in his grave. It would make Stalin and Hitler envious that they were born a century too early. Okay. No, you're that's right. You're, you're absolutely right. That's what's going on. Let's let's just take something that I would want to know. Talking to you now, they got you on the phone. If you could go back to 2001, the meeting with the NSA and stuff, and you've been through the ringer, through the federal system, basically harassed in many different turns, and 
<laughs> and imprisoned and everything. Like people, I don't think, I, I, a little sidebar, I don't think people realize this isn't like TV. When you go through the system and stuff, um, at least for me, it's not like TV, everything's wrapped up in a fucking hour. Yeah. Like, you can't sleep. You don't know what's right. going on. Your wife is like, she wants to stand by you, and then you feel bad because you have to internalize what she's going through. And all the way so right. you got kids, you got finances, you got everything. And you don't know how long you're going away for, and you don't know if something's going to happen, right. ha- happen to your family while you're away. 